up, guys? Welcome back to the Forgotten Jesus Podcast with Pastor Robbie Gallaty. We got Candy Gallaty, and my hey, name hey. is Andrew Bolton. So glad to be with you. Okay, so Pastor, I gotta, um, I have to bring up something, a little, okay. little drama oh, out there. Boy. So okay. I'm hearing some feedback okay. that we get on rabbit trails, which we do. I'm mm-hmm. not, I'm not sorry. I'm, I will not apologize for, for our, a rabbit trail. our rabbit trails. And I also am getting feedback that we have talked about the men running naked in the games a lot. Uh-huh. Okay, is that, is that actual feedback? That is actual feedback from a pastor. I out use of that town. for emphasis. Okay. Like, just, how, how corrupt it was. Okay, all right. So now we're either not going to talk about that anymore. I'm going to talk about it. Or I'm going to bring it up as yuck. much as possible. So yeah, we'll see okay, which way yeah. that goes. Did I mention that the priest couldn't perform? No. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I meant, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Okay, also, we got the Long Hollow 5K coming up. All right, so... Uh, <laughs> Hey, that's not a bad idea. Five K run, huh? <laughs> All right, moving but, but, on. Okay. Yes, not not clothed. Unclothed. The clothed the run. Clothed. Yeah. Yes. Forgotten Jesus. Five K. Yeah. Okay. So, Pastor, here we go. Uh, so, uh, we are finally getting into the Gospels. Yeah. And I've always wondered why are the Gospels all so similar? Yeah. Like I, I've heard different points of view and different things, but I, I would love to hear your your thoughts on why the Gospels seem to connect. As well as they yeah, do. and so the question today would be why? Why would we spend so much time on this theory? Because it's mm-hmm. a theory. It's because and so. Let me just let's just look at it from a different perspective. It's hard for you to look at yourself or look at the Bible without unbiased presuppositions and theologies and ideologies that you learned through the years. Okay, right? Because you are raised in a church, you went to church, you mm-hmm. studied. So you got to look at the Bible from almost a skeptic's perspective or someone okay. outside because they're asking these questions. We, we don't ask these questions. Like, like, for example, if I say this is the Bible that God transmitted through the spirit to men word for word, you would say, yes. amen. Yes. Amen. 100%. Uh, yeah, perfect. I mean, yeah. What do you mean? But a skeptic or somebody who you're sharing the gospel with or someone in your family or your mm-hmm. your kids who go online and hear some liberal or you know, idea, they'll come and say, but how did it actually happen? Right. Like practically, how did it mm-hmm. actually happen? So today we're going to talk about something called quell Ooh. or Q. Q. Quell. Quell as in... Quail as in source, oh. not quail. Quail I'm as thinking in bird or hen. I went quail man quail. from Doug Funny. I don't know if that's probably after y'all time. Quail man. Yeah, never mind. Moving on. Yeah. Okay. If you're it's in your mid thirties, you know what I'm talking about. It's not, How do you it's, spell it's this? It's not quail like in Exodus when God came. <laughs> Birds. It's not hens. Q U E L L. Okay. Or some put the. L-L-E, quell. Now, quell is the word for source, okay? Now, I have to give you a little lesson, uh, a background of the Gospels, okay? When we're talking about the Gospels, you have two different categories for the four Gospels, okay? So in one category, you have something called the synoptics, okay? Does anyone know what the word synoptic means? Candy, you were just talking about that. Yeah. Uh, it's just, isn't it just the four Gospels? Uh, yeah. The synoptic gospels. All I got. Uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, Andrew, what do you, what do you, uh, what do you think this? <laughs> yeah. They're pretty much the synoptic gospels. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty much it. Uh, what do you mean? What do you mean? What do you think synoptic means? Uh, I have no idea. Okay. Congruent. It means, yeah. Congruent. Parallel. Similar. It means like together they can be 
coupled together. Okay. Okay. So they're similar. Think okay. Of that way. Synoptic similar. Okay. okay. That makes sense. So similar. Now, so you have hmm. Matthew, Mark, and Luke in the synoptic gospels. They're very similar. Okay? okay. Then you have John all by himself, and John's gospel is written probably in the late 90s, mid to late 90s uh, of the first century, whereas the synoptics are written anywhere from the mid 50s to the 70s, you okay. know, late 60s, 70s. Okay. So you have these three gospels written first, and then you have John. John's a different different kind of gospel in and of himself. His is more symbolic. His is more um, written for a theme that's different than the others. Okay, so we'll put John aside. We'll come back to John later. Let's take the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. When you study these gospels, you realize that most of these gospels include the same accounts of Jesus, Mm -hmm. very similar. So for example, all of them are going to include the feeding of the 5,000. Right. Okay? They're going to include, not always all, all the time, but they're going to include the healing of a blind man. They're going to include um, Jesus going to heal the multitudes. They're going to include Jesus preaching in a form or fashion the Sermon on the Mount, although Luke disperses it. Okay, So the natural question becomes, how did these men, because these are men, obviously mm-hmm. inspired by the Holy Spirit, according to Peter, inspired by the Holy Spirit, carried along by the Lord, how did they know with perfect accuracy the different accounts if two of them were not even there? Mm. Okay? So let me give you the three guys. Let's start with, let's start with uh, Mark. Okay. okay? Mark is uh, considered to be the shortest of the three Gospels, okay? I thought you were about to say the shortest man, and I'm like, how would you know that? <laughs> not in stature, <laughs> but in length. No, not in short. Mark but, is also John Mark or no? Um, is it John Ooh, Mark? did I stump you? I, I want to say yes. Look that up, Robert. Is that John Mark? I, I, I think <laughs> it could be. I don't, I don't know. That's a good question. You have stumped me, maybe. Uh, I want to say yes, but I don't want to, I don't want, I don't know for sure. Robert I didn't know up. we were allowed to do that. Yeah, that, that <laughs> I don't know that answer, but I do know this answer. Okay, so Mark is not the shortest in length, contrary to popular opinion. Mm. Mark is actually one of the most long-winded gospel writers. Did you know this? No. He just fewer has accounts. the, he has fewer accounts. Exactly, right. Andrew. Mm. So he doesn't have the same amount of, quote, encounters mm-hmm. or sermon opportunities or healing uh, experiences. Mark has fewer stories, but when Mark writes about one of these encounters, it's longer, okay? Okay. Mark is writing to a particular audience, okay? Okay. And that's going to be important. Who is Mark's audience? Who's Mark's audience? The Jewish people. No. You get three options. Jewish, Gentile, Roman. Mm. Who are you going to go with? Well, I just went with Jewish. Jewish. Andrew, who are you going to go with? I'll go Roman. Roman, bingo. Rome is who Mark is writing to, okay? That was a lucky guess. Yeah, Mark is writing to a Roman audience, okay? Mark's theme is that Jesus is Lord, Mm -hmm. okay? Jesus is Lord, and he's also writing that Jesus is the suffering servant from the Old Testament Mm -hmm. book of Isaiah, Mm-hmm. Okay? okay, so uh, that's what he's writing to. Okay, actually, it, Mark, he's, the theme is servant. Now, how does Mark write his gospel if Mark was not necessarily 
an apostle, not with Jesus a lot of the time. Okay, so I've always, this is what I've always heard. It's an oral culture. So they're telling stories, they're passing information down, you know, by telling stories and whatnot. Yeah. And also firsthand accounts. So mm-hmm. maybe he wasn't there, but he talked to somebody who was. Okay, that's no, you're exactly right. Okay, who is the person Mark talks to to write his gospel? Paul. Close. It, it is a P word. Peter. Ooh, Peter. Ooh, yes. Okay. Now, how do we know that? Okay. How do we know that? I'm going to guess he gives accounts that only Peter would know. Exactly. Mark is going to write in-depth accounts mm-hmm. of Peter's denial of Jesus, Peter's saying, Jesus, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. So he's going to give us insights that scholars believe only Peter could have given him those insights, okay? Now, Mark actually, and the answer to your question, it is John Mark. It is John, yeah, Mark, John yeah. Mark, yeah. You're exactly right. <laughs> I'm hesitant to say, I was I was going yes, but I was a little hesitant because of, just I've to said think some, about it for a minute. I've said some things I've had to go back and say. <laughs> i got to check that. Okay, Mark chapter 14, verse 51. Mark is actually going to write himself into the gospel as an Easter egg. Did Ooh, you know this, Andrew? I did not know this. An Easter egg. The very first Easter egg. This is even before Easter. <laughs> it's the day before Easter Sunday. Or actually, it's three days before Easter Sunday. Mark chapter 14, verse 51. Candy, do you want to read that? Now, a certain young man wearing nothing but a linen cloth was following him. They caught hold of him, but he left the linen cloth behind and ran away naked. Mm. Oh, no. Listen, I'm like, here we go again. We we committed. I I did not set that up. I'm just telling you. We committed to not talking about that again. Here Candy is. I did not. That is not. Bringing it up. (laughs) Wow, Pastor. Honey. For the record, (laughs) I did not. Put that in there. I had my notes planned to talk today, and it just so happened you brought that up at the beginning unknowingly <laughs> to me. But seriously, but 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 so so scholars believe that's Mark. Mark yeah. writes himself in there, giving us a nod to the fact that he was there in the ministry of Jesus. Okay. The second gospel is Luke. Luke is a gospel written to who? Gentiles or Jews? Two left. Uh okay, so Luke is the orderly account, correct? Yes. So who would have wanted an orderly account? Who would have thought that way? Gentiles. Gentiles, Gentiles, exactly. He's writing to a Gentile audience, Mm -hmm. okay? Luke is going to base his account on what? How is Luke going to write this account? How is he going to make sure he is accurate in his uh, explanation of the events? Yeah, I mean, doesn't he do like in-depth study and and interviewing people? Interviews, big bingo. Luke is a doctor by trade, okay? So Luke is opposed to Mark. Mark is a little more long-winded. Luke is going to write with laser point accuracy. Mm -hmm. So Luke is going to insert Greek words to show exactly what's happening in in certain encounters. So you want to know, you know, uh, in an... um, illustrative, uh, explanatory way of certain things, Luke's your guy, okay? Now, Luke is going to write his gospel for a theme. What is the theme of Luke? You want to take a guess? Uh, okay, so this what, is all important. what themes would have mattered to the Gentiles? Mm. What themes would have mattered to the Gentiles? Yeah, not that Jesus is the son of David. They right. could care less about mm-hmm. that. Not that Jesus is the new Moses. That's Matthew's gospel. Right. What are the Gentiles wanting to know? 
uh, if the kingdom the of God is for them. Okay, good. But also, Jesus is the Messiah, the son of man okay. or mankind. Son of mankind means he is the son, he, he, he is the descendant of all things created. Mm-hmm. And for the Jews, I mean, for the Gentiles who were Hellenistic, right. Greek-influenced, the pinnacle of all things for Ooh, their thinking wow. was not God. Yeah, it was the human body. It was the human. Wow. And so Jesus now is going to come as the perfect human. Which is why they ran naked. Again, here we go again. Back to running naked. Yes. Yeah, we're putting that to bed. Okay. Okay, I'm sorry. So Luke's going to tell us. No pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'm sorry. I just had to right before we moved on. on. Okay. I should have never let you start. Dear Heavenly Father, please be with us yeah. the rest of this podcast. Okay. Forgive us. Luke chapter one, Candy. Let's read. Okay. Luke's uh, explanation of what he's doing here in the in this gospel. Okay, Luke 1 what? 1 1. Okay. Many have undertaken to compile a narrative about the events that have been fulfilled among us, just as the original eyewitnesses and servants of the word handed them down to us. It also seemed good to me since I have carefully investigated everything from the very first, to write to you in an orderly sequence, most honorable Theophilus, mm. so that you may know the certainty of the things about which you have been instructed. Okay, so Luke's gospel is going to be chronologically mm. correct most of the time. He deviates a little bit, but Luke's, the the the, the genius of the gospel of Luke or the, or the gift of the gospel of Luke is, he's going to try to put it in an orderly account. Now, why is that a big deal for an Eastern culture? Well, uh, for an Eastern culture, because they don't necessarily think that way. They don't have a problem mixing up what we would say the order of a story. They can, as you would say, think on both hands. Yes, that, that's a great point, too, just to reiterate for those who are just joining the podcast. For the Eastern culture compared to the Western culture in which we live, we have to have things orderly mm-hmm. and fashion sequentially. Meaning, if I tell a story, Andrew started today with an inappropriate comment. Oh, my God. <laughs> Candy then made a Affirmed reference to the, the comment. Andrew continues to beat the, beat the dead horse. Okay, that is the orderly account, okay? Now, if I say, if I tell you the story, Candy read the scripture, Andrew made a reference to this, then you say, no, that's not how it went. It's out of order. Mm-hmm. You, that's not how the, the, the sequence was. We have a problem with that in Western American culture that we live because A is always before B, B right. is always before C. The Jewish culture has no problem with events being out of order Mm -hmm. to teach a theme or make a point. They have no problem with that because for them, it's the point uh, of the the parable. It's the purpose of what Mm -hmm. I'm teaching you, not necessarily the events, which is why I tell people understanding this. I'm not trying to offend anybody, but trying to figure out. The days of creation, if it was seven literal days, if it was mm-hmm. seven billion year, million years, if it was poetry or, or genre, all those kinds of questions for the Jewish audience are, are moot, is a moot point. Why? Yeah. Here, here's why. Well, why does that really matter? Well, that matters to Americans, Westerners, because we need to have a sequential order of how things were created. But I'll show you what the Bible thinks of that. You ready for this? So when God creates the world, how many chapters does he devote to creation? Uh, Technically none because they didn't have the chapters yet. 
Technically, okay, he's on Listen, it. Listen, I'm learning. Jesus, Jukas, yeah. Okay, <laughs> technically none, but actually two chapters okay. in today's Bible. Okay, now if it was a if it was a Western book, it would be two hundred. It'd be right. the constellations yeah, yeah. of the stars and the rings of Saturn and the galaxies and the the black holes and all these things, right? But God gives two, almost like an afterthought or a forethought. That God says to Moses, who I believe wrote the, the, the Torah, he says, Mo, here's the deal. We have to start somewhere. Write this down for them. And, and, and believe it or not, it's actually only one chapter because Genesis 1 is one account of creation. Genesis 2 is the retelling of that account from a different perspective. Mm -hmm. Did you know that? It's actually, so yeah, really one chapter. Wow. Two, totally. Okay, here's the next question. How many chapters does God devote to the tabernacle? A bunch. Okay. How many chapters does God devote to the kind of clothes in the tabernacle, the kind of furniture in the tabernacle? And, and better yet, how many chapters does he devote to the kind of actions we should have in the tabernacle, the way we should enter the tabernacle, how we should prepare us at the festivals of the tabernacle? Mm. You ready for this? Seven chapters to the building of the tabernacle, another seven to the vestments, the vestments, the, 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 the clothes, mm. the furniture, and then another six or seven to the way we act. So God's going to devote. Wow. Wow. Does that number 20, seven mean anything? Uh, I'm sure it does. But there's 20 or 21 chapters. Yes, it does. 20 or 21 chapters. You ready for this? On the tabernacle. Mm -hmm. Two chapters, really one, on creation. What's the point, Robbie? The tabernacle has to do with our relationship to God. Mm -hmm. Creation has to do with our origin. Right. Okay. Right. And what is God saying? The emphasis is on wow. not how you got here. We all know how we got here. We're all descendants of Adam. We all are products of the fall. It's not how you got here. It's what you do after you're here in order to have a relationship with a holy God who's in the process of coming down, wanting to be with you. And so I think most of the time we put uh, emphasis on the wrong things in the church, and we spend a lot yeah. of time where God wouldn't have. Well, spent and the point is in those first couple chapters is that God is Creator. Yeah, it doesn't necessarily matter. I mean, it's interesting to think how long did it actually mm -hmm. take Him, but what we have to understand is that we believe He is Creator, and that everything came from Him by faith. That's what we believe, right? Yes. Not that you know how many hours were in a literal day and all of those things. It's interesting. It's information. But yeah. the point is that he is creator and we believe that he is. Yeah. Here's another principle too. Candy and I have talked about this for a while. This is what I like to, now some people would disagree with this. I would say this is a tertiary sidebar issue. This is not a salvific issue mm -hmm. Correct. that's worth dividing fellowship and friendship over. For now, sure. Correct. depending on who you talk to, some would say, I, I don't agree with that. But I think, I don't know if you agree. This is not an issue where if you and I disagree on the days of creation, mm. we, we have to break fellowship. Right. Or even you're not a believer. Yeah. What I'm saying is the salvific issues, what it means to know Jesus, uh, the person and work of Christ, uh, what salvation looks like, how can a person become born again, what salvation, that's breaking fellowship kind of issues, right? Mm. Those are divisive issues. Right. But days of the week or days of creation, uh, I do believe it was 24 hours in a literal day, though, just to say. That was my thoughts on it.
Okay, so, Pastor, so the Gospels... Robert and Lucas this, are laughing right now because they know that's not what I believe. But anyway, we're going to move on. I think Gospels, it could be days of the Do you want me to tell you why I believe this? The, the, the Book of this Quail. The, sorry, the book sorry. Of Quail. Okay. The book this of is Quail. a rabbit trail, right? Yeah. So we need to move on. Okay, yes. unless I move on, because I'm going to spend a long answer debating that. We can come back to it. Make a note on that. Bonus episode. Bonus episode, days Counseling of Counseling session. Yeah, okay. Counseling session. Yeah. Okay, yeah. let's get back to Quell. Uh, I believe just short answer is it's poetry written in the genre of poetry. Wait, wait are you and answering the question? Yeah, and it's no, a No, chi- no, you can't answer the question poetry. without me telling you I don't want to leave the audience hanging. I believe. Okay, okay l- listen. Let's, okay, let's get back on track. Quell. So Ma- Luke is written to the Gentiles. Mark is written to the Romans. Matthew's written to the Jews. Right. Matthew's theme, just to hurry up, is threefold. Jesus is the what? Uh, from the lineage of David. Lineage of David. He's the new Moses. Or the son of David, you could say. Okay. He's the new Moses. The new Moses. And God is with us. God is with us. Look at this Kingdom guy. Kingdom of heaven. Boom. Yes. Hi, Andrew. And his theme that's through all the Gospels, is the kingdom of heaven. Now, here's the question. What does Quell have to do with any of this? Okay. There was a scholar in the 19th century named Weiss, I think his name was, who actually suggested this theory. And it's a theory that, again, was picked up by the Hebrew University, David Flusser, Rabbi Shema, uh, Shemel, and um, Bob Lindsay, those guys who were way smarter and studied the scriptures for years and years, they believed in the same idea. And here's the idea. The idea is there was one central document that either the apostles or people close to Jesus started to copy down. Now, if you ever watch The Chosen, okay? And by the way, Matthew's the only one beside John in the synoptics that was actually there. Mm. Matthew, by the way, is writing to what what audience? Uh, Jewish. Jewish audience. Matthew's writing to Jewish. Mark to Rome, Luke to Gentile, Matthew to Jew. So which is why the themes matter, because they're trying to make different points to different audiences. Yes. Which is yes. where Quell comes in. Yes, which is where Quell comes in. Okay, so here's, I'm going to, I promise you we're going to get to Quell. But let me just explain one more thing before Quell. So, so the question becomes, how did these guys who did not, Luke did not hang with Jesus, mm-hmm. came years later, how does he know with pinpoint precision these exact encounters. And so the idea from a human perspective is someone started to, to write down these experiences, these encounters, these teachings, these sayings in a document called Quell or Source, kind of like a reference book. Mm-hmm. Now, the, the Chosen, I think, nods to this, and you could kind of see Matthew you know, he's always taking notes. You know, mm-hmm. he's right. Ah, oh, that's good. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. You know, he writes. <laughs> well, that's kind of what they knew Jesus was a big deal. They knew what he was saying was important. So the idea was this document started to circulate around. Now, the next question becomes is where is Quell today? Mm. And the answer is uh, it is in the Ark of the Covenant. Possibly. <laughs> yeah, possibly. No, that's not right. But it probably flew away. Uh. Oh, Back to the kitty. Okay. <laughs> quell, we don't have quell, but what we have is the remnants of it from the gospels and people think you can reverse engineer it. Okay. So think of it this way. Here's how they wrote their gospels. And this is important. And then, and then you'll understand how these guys pen these gospels. Every gospel writer has a theme. 
okay? They're trying to write for a purpose. I'm trying to prove as Mark that Jesus is Lord and Caesar is not. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to choose certain encounters out of quail. You got to realize they could have written the gospel and it could be the entire book of the Bible, as John said, and we wouldn't have all the stories that uh, talk about the life of Jesus. But they're not trying to write a historical book about the life of Jesus just to boast about random stories. No, they're trying to prove a point, okay? So here's the point. Mark sits here. Let's just take the example. You're going to have to picture this in your mind, and maybe we can give you a chart, okay? So I'm going to give you three different encounters, okay? Encounter A, encounter B, encounter C. Encounter A is Jesus teaching the Sermon on the Mount teaching. Okay, which we know of as the Sermon on the Mount. Okay, that's encounter A, or that's inside A. Uh, inside B from Quell would be Jesus heals a blind man. Okay, and then inside C will be Jesus walks on uh, the water. Okay, or let's just say no. Let's, let's go. Jesus um, fed the 5,000. Fed the 5,000. That's exactly the one I was going to think of. Okay, so C is Jesus fed the 5,000. B is a blind man. A is Jesus teaches the Sermon on the Mount. Okay, so Matthew comes, and Matthew's theme is new Moses, son of David, God is with us. He looks at the first, in, first log in Quell, and he sees the teaching of the Sermon on the Mount, A. And he says, yes, I'll take A and I will use that in my gospel because that's proving my theme that Jesus is the new Moses. Why? Because Moses went up to a mountain to teach, so did Jesus. Moses came down with the law, the word of God, so did Jesus. Fits my theme. Mm -hmm. Mark sits next to him, not figuratively, and he looks at A and what does Mark say? Sermon on the Mount theme. Is my Roman audience going to be interested in learning about that? Good stuff, albeit. Mm -hmm. No. No, fit. no, it's not going to fit. The Romans don't care about Jesus being the new Moses. They don't care about the law. They got a law. So Mark passes on A, but Mark goes to number B or B, which is the blind man. Jesus heals a blind man. And what does Mark say? Mm, My theme is Jesus is the new, uh, is Jesus is Lord of all. And mm. Jesus is what? The Sur suffering, suffering servant. servant of all. He came to serve, not be served. Mm. Of course that fits. So Mark chapter 10, verse 46, Mark has Jesus going to Jericho to heal a what? Blind man. To heal a blind man. Okay. Then you have Mark going to the last one. So you say C, feeding of the 5,000. Mark's going to say, Yes, that, mm -hmm. that of course fits into my gospel. So I'm going to put that into the gospel, okay? Uh, let's, take, let's take Luke instead of Matthew because it's going to mess this up. So Matt, Luke, Luke, replace Matthew with Luke, kind of confusing. Luke sees the Sermon on the Mount teaching and says, yes, that's going to fit the Son of Man teaching. Luke goes to the blind man and says, no, that's not going to fit what I need. So Luke takes A, passes on B, mm -hmm. but when Luke gets to the feeding of the 5,000, what does he say? Yep, of course that fits my theme. Jesus is the son of man. So he puts it in there. So here's two guys. Watch this. Mark takes A, passes. Mark looks at B from Quell, in a sense, the source book. And he mm -hmm. says, yes, I'm going to take that and insert that. He's going to look at C and take that and insert that. Luke looks at A and says, Sermon on the Mount. Absolutely. In. Luke looks at B, the healing of the blind man. Doesn't fit. Luke looks at C, says it fits. So here you have two guys looking at the same source of quell, if you, mm -hmm. if you follow the theory, 
and they're picking mm-hmm. and choosing based on the themes that they're trying to write about. This answers the question that a lot of people have. Well, why don't why didn't he re- include this? Or why does Mark leave out this? Or why does Matthew not talk about this? It doesn't fit their what? Their audience. theme, their audience. I mean, it was their theme. They weren't just documenting. They were trying to accomplish something here. Yes. Now, why do some accounts come out of order? Because they don't care. They don't care. They're trying to write for a theme. They're right. trying to push, uh, I'd say, push an agenda. Now, another thing to think about it, and this is something I'm, I believe, and you may push back on this, but I personally believe that the first gospel written was not Mark. For years and years and years, people thought it was Mark. It was not Mark. Mark? Yeah, it was not Mark. Okay. People think Mark was first because they say he was the shortest. But again, that's a misunderstanding yeah. of Mark. Sure. I personally think, you ready for this? The first gospel written was Matthew. Why do you think that? Okay, because it's first in the Bible. Oh, okay. I'm that's, playing. Not that's not right. That's not right. But that is true, though. Yeah. Okay. Why Matthew? Now, think about this. Why Matthew? You tell us. Well, I'm asking you. Well, we don't know. <laughs> okay, okay. One or two, two reasons I want to take, and I want to make another statement that is a little provocative, and mm-hmm. that is I believe Matthew actually wrote his gospel, particularly the first half for sure, in Hebrew, mm. in Hebrew. So it was not written in Greek, the language of the world, because they wrote in Greek. You may be wondering why is the New Testament in Greek? Why is the Old Testament in Hebrew? The reason they wrote or translated the New Testament in Greek is because Greek was the language of the world. For sure. It's like English today. If you want to get something around the world, you don't copy it in Swahili. Mm -hmm. You copy it in English because it goes around the world. Well, the same thing goes with Greek because they didn't speak. I mean, Jesus probably spoke some Greek, but his his natural language was Aramaic. Mm -hmm. And Hebrew was the formal language. So they wrote it in Greek to get it around the world. However, I believe Matthew was written in Greek. I mean, Hebrew. Hebrew. Matthew was written in Hebrew. And that lends itself to the belief why I think Matthew was the first gospel. Here's why. Okay. You ready for this? Yep. Paul says in Romans, he gives us a clue. Okay. Go go to Romans. I want you to read And it makes sense for his audience. Okay. Yes. And it makes sense for his audience. Yes. The audience is the big one. But watch this. Go to Romans chapter one. And I want you to read. Paul gives us. Paul gives us the, the paradigm for how God is going to advance the gospel, okay? Go to Romans chapter 1, and I want you to read um, Romans one sixteen. Romans one sixteen. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and also to the Greek. Okay, where does the gospel start? First to the Jew, mm-hmm. then to the Greek. Go back to Acts chapter 1. I want you to read this verse now. This is always the paradigm for how the gospel advances. This is always how the message goes forth. Mm-hmm. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Remember this verse? But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be why witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Okay, so the answer is this. The, the, the paradigm is always go to the Jew first, then the Gentile. When Paul goes into a city in Acts, he does not bypass the synagogue, although the synagogue is where he gets beaten up the most. But he always goes to the Jew first, then to the Gentile. It makes sense to me to believe that the gospel that is first written is going to go to the people who first believed. Wow. You got to remember, this was a predominantly Jewish 
following until Acts 15 when they open it up to the Gentiles because Paul's like, hey, the gospel is going. The grace of God is to the Gentiles. Right. But it's more than that. It's not just to the Jew first, to the Gentile. What Matthew writes about most are questions about something called halakha. Halakha. Halakha is the word from halak to walk. Mm-hmm. Jesus said, come halak after me, come walk after me. Halak is actually the way of how do we live this out? Mm. What are what are the rules and regulations? What does this look like? What does the Sabbath look wow. like? So there's all these debates on how this works huh. out in our present day life. Who addresses halakha more than anyone else in all of the gospels? It's Matthew. Right. Matthew is talking about Jewish arguments of the oral tradition. One more point and we're done. Matthew actually is the one who quotes more Old Testament references of of the Old Testament scriptures Mm -hmm. than any other gospel writer. Because I think Matthew is writing first to the Jewish people who have the gospel first, and then he goes from there. Again, I think that's where Matthew starts with a genealogy because he's rooting this Messiah in Jewish tradition. Mm. Wow. Okay, Pastor. Well, all kinds of cliffhangers for next episode. I want to ask you next episode. Do not answer this now. This is a cliffhanger for everybody out there. Does the idea of quail, of a source, take away from this being the inspired word of God? Mm. Don't answer it. Cliffhanger for next time. If you enjoyed this episode, leave a review anywhere you listen to it. Also, we'd love to connect with you on Instagram at The Forgotten Jesus Podcast. All right, Pastor, thank you for this episode. Candy, thank you for joining us. Try to keep it clean on the next one. And we'll see you guys next week.